You're listening to the Tomato Tomato Podcast. This is a movie podcast, and we talk about the way that movies are reviewed. This week, uh, we're a little late to the game with this one, but you know, yeah, we're it, among it, the last white people. <laughs> this movie, but it's still relevant, especially this week. Uh, we're recording this after the Oscars. Uh, it's Get Out by Jordan Peele. Oscar winning, Get Out. Are also, the one that was Oscar snubbed? But yes. Yeah. Uh, also, I am Chris. With me is... Jenna. Jenna, you- we're the hosts. It, yeah. It's like almost 30 damn episodes in. If you don't know who we are, then... We're always here. We're always... <laughs> no one else is here. <laughs> it's just us. And Ruby, my dog. Yeah. And my dog. Both of our dogs are asleep right now. Yes, they are. Anyways, get out. Uh, Holy fuck. <laughs> I, I, this is a movie that when it first came out, uh, it was one of those where it's like, oh, I'll see that for eventually. Yeah. Um, and then it started getting all that praise. And I was like, oh, shit, I got to see this movie. And I missed it completely. Yeah, same. Because it was like, I, I knew I wanted to see it, but it never could work out to like go to the theater and see it. And so I was just like, oh, I'll just like, I'll just see it eventually. But then it felt like a disservice to it to like watch it at home when I knew it like it needed this kind of big experience. But even then watching it at home, I totally like I, I'm sure it would have fucked me up even more in a theater. But like it fucked me up a lot just like yeah. sitting at home. Yeah. And like I think we mentioned it two episodes ago that we already knew what the movie was about we knew yeah. where it ends um but it, it, that didn't bug me at all watching this movie because i i was texting you about it when i was watching it that i was able to pick up on so many little things i know that these little nuggets that kind of the genius of the script that Jordan Peele is like oh here are these weird these scary undertones and subtle uh, little things that are going to pay off later. Like, nothing is wasted. No. It's like, everything is so deliberate and has such a weight to it that I'm so impressed by. Like, it is, I don't know, I it makes me just want to, like, completely rework everything that I've been writing because it's just, like, it's so detailed and everything has a payoff and it's so, it's just so well done. It doesn't feel like it's just, like, hitting you over the head with all of this stuff. Yeah. There's nothing superfluous in this yeah. movie. There's uh, no like extra side plots that don't matter. Everything's so self-contained. And then yeah. from there, everything like, I don't know. And like he said he's been working on this for what? Or he's done like 20 drafts of this movie. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he perfected it. He got it down. Uh, and... Yeah. Well, and um, do you know the thing about the alternate ending? Yeah. So I just learned about that the other day. Same here. Uh, I haven't watched it yet, but I know uh, how it played out. So I, I watched it, like, because I was like looking up stuff. I was like going through the Tumblr tag for this movie, and I saw a gift set of the alternate ending, and I was like, no way. And then I like looked it up and watched it, and it's really like it's fascinating to me because it like the reason why they went with the ending that they did was because of the Trump era. 
Well, yeah, it was because of the political climate. It was like yeah. they filmed this movie when Obama was still president, and they wanted they thought that that ending would like say more and, and like be a a good note to end on. And then Trump became president, and they're like, ah, fuck. Okay, this is dark <laughs> as hell. So then they went back and reshot everything. And like, I love that moment in the actual ending where you're like, where the, you see the cop car come up and you get the feeling that the original ending was kind of intending where you're just like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Like, you're like, Oh no, this is not going to end well. And then like the lights fade and you see that it's the TSA and it like turns around immediately and it like becomes this completely different ending. But for that split second, you get that. Oh shit. Feeling. Yes. Yeah. Like you, gut for like that dread yeah is coming it's like come on give chris a break yeah but no it's actually just the standout of the movie tsa agent rod <laughs> so i saw something that was really interesting so he he did an interview on jimmy kimmel like after the film got nominated for all these oscars and he was like yeah i'm not invited like they didn't what? put me on the guest list and so then kimmel was like what the fuck you're in like half the movie i'm gonna get you a ticket to the oscars and he did and he showed up That's and great. had a great time and i was like good for good for jimmy kimmel for like helping with that because like he like this movie is a cast of like incredible people but like his bits in it were so fun yes and effective and god i just love i love this movie i'm so glad that i'm not like sleeping on this movie anymore <laughs> i i saw i think it was on tumblr or something it was this post where uh David was doing press for this movie and there's a one line in the movie. It's like, Oh, I, if I, I oh, would have yeah. voted for Obama three times if I could. And oh, he was yeah. saying in an interview that the new version of that, it's like, I saw get out three times. <laughs> yeah. And then, it comes then and then that. he's doing press again on Graham Norton's show. And I think it was Allison Janney was like, yeah. I saw get out three times in his face. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> it's just so funny. And like, I know as a white person, that like, I don't know this this movie has so many profound things to say and i know that it's not my place to necessarily i don't know i'm trying to think of how to word it but basically but like i know i am partially at fault in the realm yeah. of our society because of what this movie kind of illustrates yeah and, so I, yeah. I i've seen a lot of uh white people say this isn't a horror movie <sighs> it's not a horror movie because you're not black yeah like i it is a fucking it's like a terrifying horror movie like I genuinely like it creeped the shit out of me in certain moments and part of it was knowing the twist I am a wimp when it comes to horror movies or like horror tv if there's an episode of Black Mirror that I'm like even slightly interested in seeing I read an entire recap of it and then I go watch the episode because I don't want like weird like plot twist edgelord kind of things that fuck me up and so yeah i had read enough think pieces when this movie first came out that i knew what the general twist was and like even then i felt like i don't know the movie was such an effective like use of just kind of like translating how awkward and uncomfortable and terrifying these social situations really are and like I was able to feel that emotion and then also understand like I am a white person who is in a way part of the problem and like yeah I don't know yeah and it, going from this I could see why CBS approached him and say hey do you want the keys to Twilight Zone yes exactly because this feels like 
a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. You know, because it has that kind of twist. It fits kind of like that genre category. Um, so if this is an indication of what we'll get with Twilight Zone, I'm uh, fucking excited. I'm so excited. Yeah. Because uh, it's, yeah, yeah, it's so effective. And generally, everyone else agrees. Uh, it's 99% on the tomato meter. Also, we have to give a shout out to Rotten Tomatoes' ugly ass new layout. It's like, so... We, just the design. It's just two colors. Yeah. I hate that this trend in uh, <laughs> logo design and branding where it's very, very simplified and uh, dialed back. It's just like their Twitter head header is so ugly because it's just this weird color of red uh-huh. that just pops out with just, yeah, no. Well, and it's like, it's just red and just white. And it's yeah. kind of like the dichotomy of rotten or fresh. Like, there's no in-between. Even if you put, like, a gradient on the red, it would not look as ugly. But, like, the, what I'm looking at right now makes my eyes hurt. Like... It's too stark. It's... It's... It's hurting my eyes. There was nothing really wrong with their old... No, it's unnecessary. Yeah, but so the movie has a 99%. It did have 100 until three rotten reviews kind of tore that down a little bit. We will talk about two out of the three. One is a review that we've already talked about, but it kind of is in a completely different context now that we've like actually seen the movie. But Yes, uh, the critic consensus is... Funny, scary, and thought-provoking. Get Out seamlessly weaves its trenchant social critiques into a brilliantly effective and entertaining horror comedy thrill ride. It has an 87% audience score with almost 70,000 user ratings. Wow. Also, I just noticed a new feature. This is like, if this is going to have to be an episode about Get Out, and then it's also going to have to be just us talking about Rotten Tomatoes' new update. So they have a thing where you can click, and it can change the tomato meter to be from all critics to just top critics. Interesting. And so, like, Get Out... yeah, it's get, get out goes from a ninety nine to a hundred, and like I just went to Black Panther, it goes from ninety seven to. So 100. this this kind of touches on what we've been talking about before, and how it's like, oh, you can have any random outlet contribute to the tomato meter. But then here's my thing: is like the the top critics page still has a lot of flaws. Like the, the oh, yeah, I'm not saying con- it. yeah, what yeah. constitutes as a top critic, I think, is kind of a thing that still needs to be worked out because as I was looking through the top critics for Get Out, there are zero clearly reviews from people of color. Like everyone is either a white guy that is the same white guys that we always see, always reviewing these movies, or it was an outlet of a person that didn't have an icon. And so then I'm like, I don't want, I don't care what old white men have to say about this movie. I'm not (laughs) going to read their reviews, but yeah, yeah. it's, it's a, Step forward, I guess. Um, so good on you, Rotten Tomatoes, but you still have a long way to go. Yeah, it still just feels kind of arbitrary to be like, here's here's like 50 critics that you don't really know who they are or what they're in. You just have to trust us into thinking that they're top critics. Yeah, something that, that the users don't aggregate. It's something that Rotten Tomatoes aggregates and deems these critics are worthy uh of being top critics and they're deserving and they're the only ones so you have this 
echo chamber confirmation bias kind of thing where it's like you're excluding other voices who are just as valid if not more in some cases and rotten tomato sucks like that <laughs> i completely agree so but what review do we want to dive into first let's talk about the blue spot the blue spot yeah this is a new outlet because it was just one of the three negative <laughs> reviews. There are the two reviews that we're going to cover, and then there was another review in Spanish. And so I'm like, I'm just going to pick this review because it is of a white person who does not get the point. Yes. So, yeah. This so this is uh, by Jeff. It seems to be his own personal blog, really. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and to where I'm like, okay, how does he get in? And yet other actual outlets don't get in. But, okay. But, yeah, Jeff Beck, not the singer. Jeff or guitar player <laughs> guy Jeff Beck um, he I don't know he misses the point he really does he says let's see um, like those before him Peel also wants to tell a story that should shock us and pull us into its narrative but he spends so much time playing around and telling you practically nothing uh, more than there's something strange going on and it's very easy to lose interest in the plot uh, that's been built up to that point. I this actually goes hand crazy. in hand with another comment. Yeah, I know because he's he's building the narrative. He's building the tension, the uneasiness of the situation that uh, the character Chris is in. And it, it, he's slowly, I'm going to use the onion metaphor, peeling back these layers. Okay, Shrek. As we, but it's true, though. I know. Well, and it's like, <laughs> and, and yeah, I... Knowing the twist made me approach every single scene as like, what am I going to get from this that relates to what the twist is? And I was so satisfied by what was presented. And then even then, after having seen the movie in the past 24 hours, I have like thought about so many scenes and realized different contexts in which they can be interpreted. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it's one of those things that it feels like an ancient text in a way where it's like people are going to be be analyzing this and figuring out as much as possible from this in the years to come. And I don't get the argument of like, oh, he just presented us with some sort of uneasy feeling. It's like, no, it's clear what the feeling is. It's just you're white and you don't yeah, get it. See, I, I, think, I, think, I don't know if part of it is that to these white guys, it was billed as a horror movie and they were expecting a standard uh, cut and dry horror movie when they got something that has social relevance which most horror movies don't have honestly like the way that it was billed i remember from when like the the tv spots and stuff were running was almost kind of like a key and peel sketch like Mm -hmm. the way that the trailers were kind of cut and presented almost was like a, like a par- like almost self parody kind of thing. Yeah, um, like like yeah. Rod's character could have easily been Peel in a Keen Peel sketch. Exactly, and like, but like even then, he w- he wouldn't have necessarily been in the trailers. But just like the way that things were cut, and like it would always include like the Obama joke and all that sort of stuff, and it kind of just looked like this sort of satire. But it's not. And I, th- and I think part of it was too that I'm glad they the the trailers and the promotion was done the way it was because they had to work around the twist and the yeah. ending. Yeah. They couldn't give that away. Exactly. And like, I wouldn't have wanted people to 
know that twist going in. I know I knew the twist going in, but yeah. I just mean from a like general audience perspective, I'm glad that people kind of got the communal experience of like figuring out the twist and yes. resonating with it and all that sort of stuff. But even that, like everything in this movie is so deliberate. Except so much. Beck doesn't think so because he says, hopefully Peel will try again. For if anything, Get Out shows that he has a lot of promise in the genre. He may not have hit it on. Uh, he may not have hit it. Uh, hit on, on it, it this time. Time, jeez. Uh, but if he sticks to it, he could easily deliver it uh, sometime in the near future, and perhaps then we'd finally get that next great horror film that remains so elusive. Okay. Uh, well, and like this is such a white person take on it, this other bit of review. It says, that being said, the film is not without some intriguing moments. In all that time spent on letting us know that something's not quite quite right in this house, Peel delivers some bizarre scenes that balance precariously between horror and comedy, making you laugh while at the same time creeping you out a little. Um, however, it's not quite enough to make up for the struggling narrative that we should be hanging on to every step of the way right up until the big reveal. Uh, I disagree. Like, no. Mm. Like... I don't know. I I, <laughs> I don't think the narrative struggles or meanders or anything. I think Peel found a great balance of having the comedy and the horror bits uh, and establishing, I thought, up until a point, Chris and what's the girl's name? Rose. Rose. I thought they were a cute couple until, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um. I like Allison Williams did an interview a couple of months ago where she said that white people still come up to her on the street and are like, Oh, your character in get out was so good. And I'm so glad and like, blah, blah, blah. And like, so she's totally not a villain. She's just misunderstood. And she's like, no, fuck you. She yeah. is a villain. <laughs> like, she, like it's very clear that she is complicit in all of this and yes. takes things into her own hands when it gets to that point. And it's just kind of funny to me that white people still interpret it as like, oh, she was just drug along. This isn't her fault and whatever. I, I didn't read it, but I saw some think piece article saying that her character could have been brainwashed too. Uh, I didn't see any indication of that. She was complicit and she yeah. knew what she was doing. She yeah. was wholeheartedly a part of that. Um, let's see. Uh, as the third act rolls around, we are given a twist that's decent, though not particularly surprising without giving too much away. It's something more sadistic, uh, being John Malkovich. It pretty much plays out as you think it will, giving you the necessary cathartic conclusion, which is satisfactory enough, despite not going in any new directions as far as horror endings go. There's not much to say about it other than it fits the bill just fine. I don't agree. I know. He, he, he doesn't understand the social... Uh, significance? Significance of of it all because he's not white. He's looking at it, this movie, purely through a horror lens. And yeah. what Peel is really trying to say. Peel is, he's using the horror genre as a vehicle to tell this socially relevant story. And, and Yeah, and to talk about how black people are treated and how white people think they have ownership of them and all that sort of stuff. Like, there's so many things that are being said in the context of it. And yet people are just like, and there was a whole conversation on Twitter like days ago, which feels really relevant in this case, that people, some critic was complaining about how people review the message of a movie instead of just the movie or like they, they review them both concurrently. 
yes. of like here's the movie and as how well it succeeds in a movie and then here's the movie and what messages it presents and how how I think of that positively or negatively and he saw that as a bad thing and I'm like dude it no <laughs> otherwise like if it doesn't have this message it's just another generic horror movie which he yeah. thinks is and I, I think I've said it before I don't usually care for horror movies yeah it's not that I'm I'm a wimp I mean I am <laughs> But also, it's like, to me, they're all the same. Yeah. I don't need to see 20 goddamn Freddy movies or Jason <laughs> movies. To me, they're all the same and boring well, and like, derivative. It's just, oh, now he's in space. Oh, now it's <laughs> the son of Jason. I don't care. Well, I honestly like, don't give a shit. Like, even the even like the Babadook was, like, the big horror movie that we've reviewed before on this podcast. And, like, it doesn't really have a whole lot to say. It's sort of straightforward in what it presents and what it presents just kind of gets tiring as it goes along and I don't know this feels so completely different to me where it doesn't feel exhausting it feels like a mystery even if you know the twist it's still like putting all of the pieces together is still really intriguing to watch I think I don't know <laughs> what so I, I broke my rule of don't scroll down and read the comments. Oh no. But uh, I'm kind of glad I did. Cause some, uh, so this first comment is from Shelby Sherman. Oh God. <laughs> I'm going to title your review, get, get out. No way this film is rotten. I really don't understand your reasoning regards goat from ruthless reviews. He also says your fifth paragraph is just inexplic inexplicable. Did we watch the same movie? <laughs> Well, and then someone Thank comments you, Kevin says, you're basically an adolescent if you don't get the absurdity surrounding the support for this mediocre but in no way profound movie. <sighs> what the fuck? It's some other people are defending the movie. Uh, try re-watching a second time. <laughs> I vote we have Beck's daft and unintelligible review stricken from the record. <laughs> I Thank you, Tyler D. Staples. Everyone who's like, oh, I totally agree, has white icons. Like, uh, oh, so Ryan Rodriguez also in the comments. Wait, three uh, out of five is a rotten score. Hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I don't understand. And Shelby again coming in for the save for this movie. Yes, sixty percent is a failing score. Get out received universal but not unanimous acclaim. It made a ton of money at the box office. Eight million budget and over 200 million in receipts. Any negative review is highly suspect. <sighs> Thank you, Ryan, for pointing out what we've been saying this entire time. Seriously, but like, so I went back to the fifth paragraph and it is basically things that we've already read, but like, there's another part that we didn't read. Let's see, it says, if you merely subject your audience to the same idea over and over for most of the film, they're going to start to get suspicious that there's not much going on below the surface. The sad part of that being, as we mentioned earlier, that this one does have a little more going on than usual. It's not, there's, uh, I don't know, self-contained and telling a tight story is not the same thing as like having nothing going on below the surface. Yes. Like, otherwise, otherwise you get shit like Twin Peaks. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm like, I like Twin Peaks for what it is. I also know that. Oh, uh, no, I, my better analogy was, uh, I'm going to strike that from the record. Thank you. Let's roll that back. Blade Runner. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> You're just like shitting all over <laughs> that I like today. Damn. But, but no, I mean, I do think that 
it is this weird kind of like auteur thing of like I'm gonna present you with these images that might it's the mystery box thing. It's like this it, yeah. is the antithesis of mystery box story storytelling because we get a resolution and we get everything having a significance that is like there is. It, it's not necessarily straightforward, but it's presented in such a tight way that it's easy to interpret if you're looking for it. Because Peel actually crafted, it, I don't, I don't want to call it a mystery, but he crafted something where there is suspense and it's like, what's going on? Yeah. Questioning what's uh, what these people are doing. And then we get answers and payoff to it. Yeah, and like it, even the uh, even the small shit in this movie is fucking amazing. I remember reading when this movie came out, there was a whole think piece from an Asian writer about the fact that like there's the one Asian guy at the party, which like some people found kind of odd. They're like, yeah. it's all white people, and then it's the Asian guy. But there's a historical significance to that because of like race relations between like the Asian community and the black community and all that sort of stuff. Like there is actual tension that having that guy at that party represents. And like and when he asks the thing of like, is it better or worse to be a black person? Do you think like it's kind of played off as just like an awkward joke. And then yes. it leads into the whole thing with Lakeith's character, but like it, it represents a lot in what it is being said. And and part of it too, because there's that line of, oh, black is very in vogue right now yeah. or fashion right now. So it's like, oh, that's a weird thing to say. I don't get that. And then we understand why. Yeah. Well, and like, yeah, everything at that party made me go, oh, shit. Because I already, I knew what the twist was. I knew what they were there for. I knew that all of those sort of aspects were going to be tackled. But the way that it's handled in awkward party talk of like the, oh, is his dick bigger? And it's like, so much creepier because yeah. I can't, because... I'm a white dude. Yeah. I re but I can imagine that black people have to endure awkward conversations at that at predominantly white parties and gatherings all the time. Yeah. And that's what makes it scary and creepy is because it's more real having those awkward, weird, racially driven conversations. Yeah, and then knowing the double meaning of like, oh, they're wanting to steal my body and they're asking these questions as like a buyer's perspective from it is like, it, it just, it's, there's so many layers to these conversations that are so delicately put together and are so, it's, like, I don't this know. This is so much more impactful because it's a black story. If this yeah. was a white person movie where it's like, oh, I just wanted your body for your eyes. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's scary. We're going to move on now. Yeah, exactly. It, it wouldn't have had the impact it has. Yeah, like, and, like, they say that towards the end where it's like, oh, I don't care what, like, the guy says, I don't care what race you are. I don't know why they picked you in particular or whatever. But, like, and, like, sure, there isn't necessarily, like, and I, I kind of like in the way that there isn't necessarily a clear, like, we're going to monologue about why we're doing this and what the, like, no one in the family kind of really said a thing of like, here's why we pick black people and blah, 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 blah. But it was just like subtle enough that yep. it was like understood. And you didn't need that answer. You just kind of knew that they were evil and that they were representing so much more in everything that they were doing. Exactly. Yeah. So uh -huh. how about, the ringer yes okay going into the social relevance and all that sort of stuff <laughs> so the ringer new outlet for us again yeah uh, by kate austin collins yes uh, this is sort of the 
Jordan Peele's directorial debut reimagines a horror movie from a black perspective and walks the line between terror and everyday experience, which is basically what I was just saying, really. Yeah. Um, let's see. What does Kay Austin have to say about this? Uh, the scary part for Chris and Rose comes during their ride in after their car kills and hits a deer and aggressive white cop against interrogate Chris for no reason. But that's an everyday black discomfort. Maybe, spoiler, the real horror isn't until after that, the armature's house when Chris finds the maid and the groundskeeper, both of them are black, walking. And yeah, that was like the part with the, the deer. It was like, it's just going to get weird and scary already. And well, I'm like, the part with the deer has so many things to unpack because yeah. of the whole like black buck signi- like signifier. And then I realized kind of after watching the movie that the reason why Rose is like brushing off the police officer and saying, oh, he doesn't need to, you don't need to see his ID. I was the one who was driving. Isn't because she's trying to stick up to him. It's because otherwise then the police would have had a record of his name and a record that they were together and that would have had a paper trail to find him if they had realized that he had gone missing yeah so it's just like even little shit like that that normally wouldn't matter oh she's a really good girlfriend nope yeah yeah it's just uh there's just so many things that i uh, that are so good in this movie uh, let's see, what else do they have to say? Uh, the idea of Get Out making sense within a broader tradition. Horror movies have long dwelt in the muck of society's cultural fears, including its racial ones. The social critique has lately felt more pointed than usual with recent popular horror movies about sex. It follows the witch, motherhood, Babadook, bullying, unfriended, and even white supremacy, green room reminding us that what counts as horror is often simply a matter of who we are. I was even reading a think piece about how the, like the three black women that kind of have a role in this movie and all of the different things that they represent. And even the police officer that he goes and talks to where he explains what he thinks is happening. And then she laughs at him is like, that can be symbolized as a thing of like black women always have to kind of cover for black men and like save them from all these various situations. And this kind of shows like, Oh no, I I don't want to do that. I'm done with that. And so it's like, that is such a profound thing just to get in that one little scene that is just kind of played off both for laughs and just for general frustration, because by then you know what's going on and you're like, why won't anyone help him? (laughs) And it's just like, there's so much to be said about so many of the characters in this movie. And I love that. Get Out has direct contemporaries and a number of hopeful historical narratives about interracial romance, uh, novel loving, uh, some other movies. Uh, let's see. What else do they have to say? Peel, dealing with it through horror, examines cultural yeah. attitudes with much more imagination, reckoning with racism not as a historical challenge to overcome, but rather as something uncanny and unknowable, terrifying for being easy to sense or understand, but perhaps impossible to surmount. Maybe it's telling that the scariest moment in Get Out isn't any of the freaky psychological shit the armages wind up throwing Chris's way, but instead something much more mundane, the police. The moment comes late in the movie, and it's a startling reminder of racial reality as the ending of Night of Living Dead when a black hero survives a night of zombies only to be mistaken for a predator and killed by the police. What's most outlandish in horror is, above all, the real. Yep. Yeah. And that's what makes this movie so good. Yeah. 
I'm just like, everything in this review just nails it, honestly. And, and it, again, it's a person of color writing this review. And that yeah. was why I wanted to they get it. elevate his <laughs> writing because there's like, there's such an understanding of this movie that isn't what white people are going to say about this movie. It's and, such a different reading and understanding. Yeah. yeah and I really appreciate it. Like, and, and like, I'm going to, even though it's TV, but the opening scene of Black Lightning mm -hmm. opens with the lead characters being pulled over by the police and that being a scary moment where you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Screw you, Jeff Beck. <laughs> well, well, no, I don't screw you, but like, come on, get with it, buddy. <laughs> but okay. Like if you saw his Rotten Tomatoes icon, I feel like you would understand. Like you'd be like, okay, I get it. He has I probably would though. Like I, I'm going to send you a picture of it and see. <laughs> I'm just going to, here, I'm going to. You're going to find it. Oh, yeah, that's totally what he would look like. Exactly. <laughs> he looks like a grown-up version of the brother in the movie. Like, yeah. And which the, Okay, that's a weird thing. So I, I knew of this movie for a year now, and yet a lot of the think pieces I've read and a lot of the gifts that I've seen completely erased the brother from the movie. And mm -hmm. so all this, like, I didn't know he was a character. And then all of a sudden he shows up and I'm yeah. like, oh, like it completely shifted my understanding of where, like, and not a whole lot because he didn't add a lot, but yeah. and, like he still had some interesting things and was also like creepy as fuck. But like, he wasn't what I knew was going to happen in the movie. And so then Same. I'm like, when did you get here? <laughs> it just felt kind of weird. But yeah, it was just a weird thing to me because that, that hasn't really happened a whole lot where I like completely omit a character from my mind yeah. going into a particular movie. But yeah. And so now let's just let's just get this over with. Let's just circle back around to a review that we talked about two weeks ago, two episodes ago, when we were talking about like the best picture and the best picture nominees and the shitty reviews that they have received, which brought us to Armand <laughs> of Armand. the review. A uh, I don't get it. Like, I, I didn't want to talk about this review again because I knew... But we can't kind of not talk about it. But then, like, when you go to the trivia for this movie, it says, like, one of the pieces of trivia on IMDb says, Armin White is the only known professional movie critic to give this film a negative review, thus lowering its excellent Rotten Tomatoes rating from 100 to 99. He claims that it was produced for a liberal agenda and referred to it as a get-whitey film, parentheses, white is African-American. The critic is known to give Rotten reviews to mainly revered films like Toy Story 3 to um, Toy Story 3, which also had an excellent 100% Rotten Tomatoes rating. So this is just what he does. He's just he, like... he, he gets off on bringing <laughs> things down and is like, oh, it's, it's uh, liberal agenda. Yeah, liberal agenda, virtue signaling, all this bullshit that he's ugh, armament. I'm so done with you, but I hate it. Like, ugh. <laughs> Uh, what does he say? The comedy side churns out trite post-racial ironies that have defined political humor for the past eight years, protecting and defending uh, former President Obama, and now threatened to continue in bizarre guises like this. Uh, any so he talks about the Obama joke. Any audience who laughs at that is either scornfully or regretfully. So why the applause at the murderous finale? <sighs> What? 
He doesn't get it. I, well, I, part, of me, I, part of me thinks that he is he is self-aware and he just gets off on, <laughs> on kind of raising ire out of people. Like, well, like, I was reading a quote yesterday from Jordan Peele where he said that he has watched this movie with predominantly white audiences and it gets that same reaction in the third act regardless. Because people like people have the wherewithal to understand that it is a satisfying thing at the end to mm-hmm. see the villains being killed. And like, I don't know, he's putting too much stock in the Obama line because of the political nature of it. And because he always has to talk about like the politics of every particular fucking movie. Yeah. Uh. So he, Armin goes on to say, it's slug pace opening using an inept sub, uh, subjective point of view angle, replace the Trayvon Martin incident. A blown black male on a cell phone walks through an unfamiliar suburban community when he's attacked. The movie never clearly explains the Stanfield character's origin, the implications of both his introduction and reappearance merely set off an obsessive social fears. Yeah, oh my God, he just doesn't fucking you didn't get it. Even know. You didn't need to know. Like you didn't need to know his no. origin or anything. You get that when they when like Rod realizes that that's someone that they're friends with. Like I don't know. You don't I don't know. And like he doesn't get it. And I think that that opening is perfect. It is. Like it's perfect from the relevance of it, like the real life relevance and just from like the horror trope of it all of the like oh, I'm going to walk down this lonely street and be, like, afraid for my life and all that sort of stuff. And, like, juxtaposing that with this perfect suburban community that looks like it should be totally safe. Like, there's so much to be said just about that scene. And yet he's like, oh, no, it's it's just, bleh. I can't can't read anymore. (laughs) Self-congratulatory revenge humor has one particularly notable irony. It's tailored to please the liberal status quo. It is. Fuck you. Well, uh, it's not supposed to it's, please it, us. Yeah. It's supposed to make us think and it and like make us even reevaluate ourselves and realize what we could be doing better. Peel exploits racial discomfort, irresponsibly placing racial grief and racist relief off against each other, subjecting imagination and identification to political sway. <sighs> Just it, stop. Get off your fucking get off your scenes, paint a limited doomed picture of race relations like a double dealing demagogue speech. There's just enough pity to satisfy black grievance and just enough platitudes to make the whites feel superior. When, when an Asian party guest asks Chris if the African American experience is an advantage or disadvantage, it reveals Peel's own biracial anxiety. He, uh, he's not reading into this correctly. I don't know. I, I don't. I think he knows how to read it. He just doesn't give a shit. And I also think he's being paid by how many movie <laughs> references he can make. The amount of other movies he just name drops in here for oh no Oh my god, there's like a whole reason. paragraph. It's insane. He keeps going on. Uh, Get Out does not rank with, rank with America's notable race comedies. And then he, he like reads off 20 of them. He references Norbit. Let's see. His pace seems slow, largely because the jokes are obvious. Bitch goddess Rose trolls black sports websites in her bedroom, which is covered with 
base, uh, basketball posters recalling Scatman Crothers, Afro-Erotica in The Shining. Chris even gets confined in symmetrically furnished den in the 1960s TV console Kubrick style. Okay, can I just point out, so he, going back to that paragraph where he name drops a bunch of shit, he, he mentions recent Eddie Murphy films, which is where the Norbit reference comes in, but then he includes like a thousand words, and then it says that they're so personal and in, ingenious. I remember a thousand words only because it has a zero percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> it's a garbage fucking movie. There's right? nothing socially relevant or just relevant at all about Eddie Murphy movies. Like, recent ones, at least. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's it's kind of it's interesting. Apparently, Jordan Peele wanted Eddie Murphy in like to star in this movie in an earlier draft of it, and then he decided, oh no, I'm going to make it like a younger protagonist and kind of do it yeah. all from that perspective, which is kind of interesting. But he was like a lot of this movie was inspired by a bit that Eddie Murphy has in his stand-up, which is huh. kind of interesting to me. Well, because let me find it. I have the IMDb trivia pulled up because uh, like, yeah. I was like halfway through reading it yesterday, and then I was like, I need to go to work. I could just read this for hours because there's so the, much, there's so many the, interesting things. Lee Murphy, like, what, it's what's that one sci-fi movie that he did? Pluto Nash. Pluto Nash. That's the <laughs> that's the last kind of like frame of reference I have for Eddie Murphy. <laughs> I have like Doctor Doolittle because I watched that a lot as a kid, but. Yeah, so it says Jordan Peele was inspired to write this movie by Eddie Murphy's um, Delirious. Murphy joked about horror films, including Poltergeist and the Am Amityville Horror, and asked why white people do not leave when there is a ghost in the house. Murphy joked that he, if that as he was showing his wife around a beautiful house, if he heard a ghost whisper, get out, he would immediately tell her, too bad we can't stay, baby. Peele <sighs> repeated Murphy's joke on the DVD commentary of this film. So, I mean, like, the, the frame of reference of Eddie Murphy is kind of an interesting one that Armin it, yeah. here, but it's so far from the point. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it says, unlike Eddie Murphy, a masterful actor with a mature sense of humor, Peel fails because he has not created credible characters. Chris and his ghetto friend Rod, who works for the TSA, are attitudes, not complex beings. Uh, <laughs> Peel seems too caught up in exploiting modern narcissism to notice old repulsion. Sambo lives matter. What? Uh, it just, I don't give it too much thought. He's an idiot. Uh, I don't understand. So yeah, now we're like, now we've looked through <laughs> Armin's review a little bit further. God, I don't understand this guy. I don't either. Good. Oh, good. There are no comments. Good. I wonder, do they allow comments? There's a little icon at the top oh, of the article. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, thank God oh. there are none. Thank God. <laughs> there, It says, there are no comments yet. Why don't you write one? <laughs> uh, I don't think Armin wants that. No, he does not. Oh, boy. Well, that's Get Out. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm like, this is a movie, but... I'm going to be thinking about for a really long time. And I know that's what everyone has been telling me for a year. And I wholeheartedly admit that I am a bad film nerd for not watching. <laughs> but uh, I'm just so impressed by this movie. Like I, I am so ready to see whatever the, whatever else Jordan Peele does. Same. And like my mindset from our last episode is still kind of the same that Sure, everyone's kind of upset that he didn't win Best Director and Best Picture and all of that. But A, 
Del Toro needed his moment. And B, Peel has so many more films that he can make, and he will eventually get that someday. And I think, he like, he, this movie will be the one thing that, like, people actually remember 10 years from now. Yeah, and, no one's going to be talking about Phantom Throne. They'll still be <laughs> talking about Get Out. Yeah, exactly. They're going to be like, wait, Darkest Hour was a thing? <laughs> Three Billboards? What? Like, yeah. that's going to be their mindset through it, which I'm happy about because this movie is, this movie lives up to the hype. Like, it's it's amazing. Yeah, God yeah. bless this movie. Yeah. All right. Where can people find you? You can find me on uh, the social medias at the Chris Vito. And where can the people find you? The people can find me. Hold on. I'm looking at Shazam. <laughs> um, I'm like, good Lord, that suit. Um, but no, they can find me on Twitter, Instagram, etc. at Hey, it's Jenna Lynn. And they can find our show at Tomato Tomato Pod. Um, we have Twitter. We have a Facebook. We have Gmail. We have a YouTube channel. Just look at all of that. We are on any or as many podcast apps as possible as many as we can for free because yeah because we will not pay for paid hosting so unless you people want to help us yeah if you want with money five bucks or whatever yeah you we don't want. have a patreon or anything but you know just dm us and we'll set up one <laughs> yeah well first how about you people leave us itunes reviews first yes before you give us money and i'll take that well and if you liked this episode go to the tweet about it and retweet it just so we can kind of you know you can, uh, the episode can find an audience of people and all that sort of stuff yeah. kind of paying it forward in a way yeah pay it forward if you like this please share it just a simple retweet will do yeah likes are nice but give us the retweets yeah the likes mean a little bit more than they used to now that everyone's likes show up on twitter yeah. right which is so funny the algorithm is so weird it's so weird i know but but still a retweet would be appreciated so yeah um i don't know what we're gonna cover next me neither and that's kind of fun i don't know we've kind of we've we've kind of known what we were going to do for the past couple of weeks now and i think this will be fun to kind of find something else so, yeah. Until next time. Yes. Until next time, keep watching movies. Bye. Bye. Don't watch Bright. Bye. <laughs> Bye. And stop. <laughs> <laughs>